can't judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Well, we have some sad news today. Yes. Um, Not sad on our part, just so that people don't freak out and think something's wrong with us. This is We're the fine. last episode <laughs> ever because I hate Rebecca. No. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar, but um, Joyce Bryant, we covered her on a Little Reps recently. Um, she did pass away on Sunday, November 20th. She was 95 years old. She passed away peacefully at home, surrounded by a loving family. Um, Like I said, we recently covered her on a Little Reps episode. But if you don't know, or if you're not a Patreon member, um, she was an American singer. She's a civil rights activist. She was known as the Bronze Blonde Bombshell, or the Black Marilyn Monroe. Um, There are some performances of her on YouTube. Her voice was absolutely amazing. She will definitely be missed. She was... She's big in the music scene when she was younger, so. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with her before we covered her, really. Like, I'd heard her name and everything, but I didn't know much about her career. And so it was really cool to cover her in the little reps and learn learn so much about her. There's supposed to be a documentary on her life that has been in the works for a couple of years. I wonder if they'll do a little bit faster now or, you know, maybe this will spark some more interests. I feel like that's usually what happens after someone passes away, unfortunately. But it would be great to get to know more about her, like a theatrical release. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd be down for that. So this episode, we're, we're recording just a couple days before Thanksgiving. It's funny. I'm like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? But I, I know what you're doing for Thanksgiving. Like, <laughs> I will be at your home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> look, look how close we are. Podcast together. We Thanksgiving together. We Thanksgiving together. It's going to be awesome. Well, you know, for so many years, Sean was working in the restaurant. And so traveling for us on Thanksgiving was never really an option. And with Theo working for the MTA, like, it makes it difficult for you guys to travel too. So we do it together. Yeah. No, it's super nice. So part of me is like, my in-laws are like driving down to be with like, I guess they're all my in-laws. Like my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law. Yeah. But then my mother-in-law, they're all my in-laws. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how that works. I don't know. Um, so all my in-laws are, are going to be with family in North Carolina. And I'm like, oh, we could go, but we would have to like fly back like Thursday night because Theo has like work on Friday. So like that wouldn't work at all. And I was like, what is anybody doing? And I was like, oh my God, Rebecca and Sean are always here. And I was like, maybe we can like wiggle our way over there. And you were like open arms come yes, here for thanksgiving please. so it's gonna be awesome yeah yeah we we have a nice little cozy one this year i think not our smallest one because well mm-hmm. but obviously 2020 was our smallest one that was very sad yes. uh or, ordered a turkey breast for myself and that was it <laughs> now, how long did you have that turkey breast for it was just like breakfast turkey breast <laughs> lunch turkey breast <laughs> those things are strangely huge they're huge like, it's just like what what's a turkey because they're massive they're way bigger than you would think they'd be because you're like okay i get a chicken breast that makes sense you would think a turkey is like slightly bigger but no it's like your forearm it's massive yeah, yeah it definitely i think it lasted like four meals 
Jeez. For just me and the turkey breast. I feel like I'm in an, uh, an everlasting loop of Thanksgiving because I had Friendsgiving this past Saturday. So I've got leftovers. And I feel like by the time I'm done with my leftovers, I will then have Thanksgiving food at your house. So it's going to be a week of stuffings and squash and yeah. all sorts of good stuff. And th- the most kale I've had in my life. Not my life, but like all year. Really? I all my okay. kale in. And I used to be a real big kale person. And then I was just like... If you don't cook it right, it's gross. Like, raw kale is like a massacre to your stomach. No, you can't do raw kale. That's just not right. But, yeah, you've got to, like, braise it to break it down because it's yeah. pretty, like, it's not like spinach at all, right? No. But, see, I used to buy kale all the time because I was like, well, it takes longer to go bad. But spinach, like, you think too hard and it's like, bye, I'm gone. You wasted your <laughs> money on me. But kale's like an old pirate in your fridge. Like, it's it's been there for, like, five months and it's like, cook me. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not kale wrong. Kale lasts forever. We forever. kill a lot. We do um actually there there might be kale in what Sean is making for like he always makes something with beans in it um mm-hmm. so that he has protein since he doesn't eat the turkey. But um he's I think he's going to make the PB&G that we eat, which is potatoes, beans and greens. So take a little bit of potato you take a little like uh just any kind of legume i don't know what do you call it like just i, I don't mean to be fancy but like bean. Put a bean. what's wrong <laughs> you can no, just call it that bean like, it's not like like i don't want people to get confused with like a green bean it's like like know? a white bean or yeah, like a, a black bean, bean, a black bean or like a kidney bean. I feel like there's lots. I mean, anybody could have gotten confused about any bean. There is a plethora of beans out there. <laughs> Welcome yeah. to Bean Talk. What's your favorite bean? When's the last? When were you bean? Oh my god. <laughs> oh, you're. you're uh, <laughs> I'm done amazing. with you. Amazing. You just gave yourself the perfect segue. To what? To talking about these pun foods from... Oh, my God. Yes. So I I found this out last year, and I didn't know it was a thing. Apparently, it started, like, 2009. Um, some people celebrate Hanksgiving, which is a... Hanksgiving. Yes. Like, the lovely, the notable Tom Hanks. A typical celebration includes a Tom Hanks-inspired feast. So it's you and a bunch of friends and family. You binge watch all these Tom Hanks movies. Um, and then Vulture, I found the magazine online. I don't even know yeah. what Vulture does anymore. I just know them from online, but I think they once were a not brick and mortar, paper and ink magazine. <laughs> brick and mortar, paper and ink. <laughs> yeah, you know, tangible, but whatever. They're on a website now, and I found a menu. So they listed all these like really cool um, food puns. So some of the recipes were Joe versus the potatoes, Catch Me If You Cranberry. Nope. Goodbye. Forest pumpkin pie <laughs> and bosom birdies or bosom birdies. Bosom. Bo- bosom? Bosom. Bosom. Boobs. Boob birds. Boob birds, which is like a, a turkey type dish. Um, but I love it. And I would love to host. I, I host too many things. I can't, I can't make people do this, but I would love to do this and then just sit and watch like random tom hanks movies i yeah, watched like captain have a, phillips have like the a other bowl, day. have a bowl full of all his titles and then just <gasps> yes. pull one out 
oh my god, are you sure you don't want to do this this week? <laughs> oh, I love this idea so much. Maybe we'll maybe we'll host it one year and be like, you have to come to us. I don't know. I feel like you love, like, you always host Thanksgiving, so yeah, I want to take it from you. Because I do Friendsgiving. My, it's, like, the only thing that I, I do, really. I mean, we're we're going to do this open house, the holiday open house. Mm-hmm. Figure I got to well, clean fun. my house for, I got to clean my house for this Thursday. It'll be clean enough for a holiday open like house. your house is not as dirty as you think it is. It's just dusty. It's and, dusty, yeah. And the floors are not, like, I I hate vacuuming, so I tend to avoid it. So it's not dirty and, like, cluttered or anything Mm -hmm. it's just it needs to be dusted like if if you can read like if i can draw my finger through the dust on my tv stand and you can read it like that's a problem i don't know what like (laughs) what causes dust because i dust my house like twice a week it's always incredibly dusty and it's like oh sun kills dust but like that's not it because i have like dust on my windowsill so maybe that's dirt i have no clue but like i'm always here with a Swiffer, moving around dust and dirt, and it's highly annoying. Yeah, I don't know exactly all of it, but I know in our house, you know where the ladder is to go up to the roof? Yes. There's a spot, like, in there where the it's kind of open to the insulation. So sometimes mm, if so it's windy got, enough, some yeah. of the insulation comes out. But also I think it's, this is gross, I think it's dead skin cells. Some of it. Not all of it probably most of it i mean in the winter that would make sense i'm ashy as fuck i hate winter (laughs) my skin is so dry like i'll just sit there and feel like creepy crawlies because my skin is so dry Mm. my my skin doesn't know how to behave in winter i hate it i hate winter so much like like, can't drink enough water to keep yourself (laughs) i can't like the other day i was just like why am I so dizzy? Why am I so nauseous? And I started Googling it and it was like, are you dehydrated? And I was like, no, I've been drinking water all day. And then like I went to the bathroom and I was like, oh, that's the wrong color. I'm definitely dehydrated. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. You should be checking your pee. I don't know if you that should. was gross for people, no. but like you really should be checking your pee. It's, it's supposed to be like light in color. And if it's a yeah. little bit dark, that means you need to drink some water. Like it should be very light. So then I was just like, all right, I'm carrying around this water bottle. I think that's quality advice. You know, um... I always like to when whenever my sisters will be like, oh, I have a headache or oh, this. I'm like, you know water. what you can do to make that better? Drink water. And like, oh, always. shut up. Shut up. No, shut up. you're I right. Think, and I am right. I am yes. right, but they don't like usually, to hear it. <laughs> usually, like, if you take, if you're like, oh, I'll take an Aleve and you drink water with it, it's probably the water that's doing it, not the Aleve. Like, water is, like, such a key component. And usually that's it. Like, if you're super hungry but you can't eat right now, have a little bit of water. It will get you through it a little bit like mm-hmm. you should eat too like don't starve yourself but <laughs> yes please eat <laughs> water is like never one go-to like that's always my my foot hurts i'm gonna get some water like it's my <laughs> it's my my go-to uh so you know how my go-to is twitter this is a i don't know if that was a no terrible i was gonna do no i was gonna do it but i'm glad you did yes your go-to is twitter I well like say it like that. i twitter. have <laughs> twitter. twitter i have poked around in all the different alternate social media things that I could find the mastodon and the pillow fort and the I don't know they've got like a whole bunch I kind of I'm sorry what yeah pillow fort pillow fort it's kind of more pillow fort's kind of like tumblr that sounds like an OnlyFans situation <laughs> pillow fort well I wasn't I I haven't poked around enough to find that kind of uh department on it but uh or that channel but I finally found one that I think I I like. Mm-hmm. 
It's called Hive. Oh, I've heard about this. One of my other, my other, this is my favorite podcast, but one of my other favorite podcasts was just like, we're on Hive now. And I was like, say what now? Yeah, what I think mean? <laughs> I want to get us a podcast account over there. I, it's kind of like, it took what the creator, so there's, it's a two person team that's the creators. So it's a little bit slow right now. It's a little bit laggy because they were not expecting, you know, a uh, million, yeah. a million new subscribers in the last like week or whatever. Um, but it kind of takes the best of all your social media platforms. So it's got, um, like, if you go to your profile page, you could actually set a song, like MySpace. So it's, I was about to say, so it's MySpace. <laughs> the pictures, when you make a post with pictures, mm-hmm. they swipe like Instagram. Oh. But it also allows you to do text-only posts. So it's got a feed that's similar to, like, Instagram or Tumblr. Okay. But you can also do text-only and not just photos so i'm, I'm kind of liking it so far and a lot of people are starting to come over it's still pretty buggy right now because like i said a lot it's of only people two people running <laughs> yeah and and they've never had like such exponential growth in membership so um, they're they... doing their best they're trying to get like things more accessible they're taking advice on like features that people are enjoying or maybe need a little help or want to see some improvements on or whatever but I, i'm liking it and uh, I don't know, it's just, it, maybe it's because it's still small, but it's mm. a lot more pleasant <laughs> than Twitter right now. The horrible people haven't gotten there yet. But what I was going to say was, um, are they brand new or have they been around for a while and people are just starting to get to it? Yeah, um, I believe they, they've been around for a few years, not a ton though. Okay. Um, also, I mean, if they're hiring, I know a bunch of people who have uh, social media experience who are looking for jobs. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if all the old Twitter people just moved over to Hive and was like, this, we work here now? Seriously. I mean, um, yeah, so two college students created it. Awesome. And it was, let me see if it tells us when. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it right now is that they only have an app. They don't have a desktop version of it. I don't think I've ever used the desktop Twitter version. Yeah, I, I do, especially when I'm posting for us, because like I pull a lot of the pictures from yeah uh, i just find it easier but it's no i do for instagram too but like sometimes instagram will like glitch out so what i've ended up doing is i will post all the pictures and then i will like type the notes up on like a note on my phone and then go back and edit it so sometimes there'll be pictures with no explanation for like a second and then Mm -hmm. i go through and edit it real quick no one's ever been like what is this because i like what do you mean? Before. Y'all don't have us on your push notifications? Let's go. Let's change that. Yeah. Also, are you guys not following us on Instagram? Because, like, most of the stuff is there. Like, when we talk about stuff here and I'm like, I'll put that on the Insta, I do put that on the Insta. Like, did you see my honeymoon sandwiches the other day? It's on there. I did. Go check I it did. out. Uh, the answer is June 2019 is when they started. October 2019 is when it launched. Wow. So, yeah, it's pretty new. So we'll cut them some slack in terms of like getting used to uh, the big crowds that they're getting. But um, it's really funny. So they have like these categories if you want to look for certain types of content. That's my favorite part about Twitter is that you can look up topics. Well, so their search is a little bit different, but like on their homepage, they have like a for you and, Mm -hmm. you know, then it's like, oh, books, film, 
you know, whatever. They have one category. <laughs> they have one category called horror. And if mm-hmm. you go in there right now, it's flooded with supernatural <laughs> stuff. Because, and I mean supernatural, the show for the listeners, not yeah. like ghosts and, and whatnot. Because everybody's hashtagging it supernatural. And so their their system thinks, oh, you're talking about the supernatural. That's going to be horror related. And That's they don't. Because it's just like hundreds of supernatural fans just like all joined within a day and just started flooding it with with like um gifts and photos of Jensen and Jared and Misha and all that. So it's really funny. I wanna thank you for saying gifts right. Uh yeah. No, because sometimes people um no, will sometimes argue with people. you. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes people, people will say gifs. Oh, and then it's like it, oh. It's not that, and then they'll fight with you, and it's like they're like, "Well, how do you say JPEG?" And it's like, "Well, it like stars with a J." And then it's like, <laughs> uh, oh God, "How do you how do you make that comparison?" There was a TikTok that I was watching the other day, and the guy was making good points, and then he said "jif," and I was like, "No," <laughs> I just left. <laughs> I was like, "I can't help you." So I spiked. I'm sorry. People, I just left. I was like, "I can't." I gotta go. Like you now, anything you say is stupid. <laughs> it stands for like graphic interface photo or something. Not photo. Yeah. That's not it. But whatever. It's graphic is the first word. And then how about the word with a T on the end? Mm. You don't say, "Oh, let me give you your Christmas gift." <laughs> we should start. <laughs> should to anyone who calls start. things gifts, that's what we'll do. Yeah. Yes, we have taken a stand. Actually, and you gift. don't. You don't get a gift or a gif. You you don't. You get to sit and think about what you've done with your life <laughs> and how else you're pronouncing things incorrectly. Uh, all right. One more thing before we get into our episode. What is it? What is it? We got a new Patreon. Woohoo! Yes, our newest math scientist. A shout out to our member, Ashley C. You join a very wonderful crowd and we're happy to have you. So I hope you enjoy the... Um, the little reps episodes that are already available and we have a new one coming out shortly next, next, next week. Um, <laughs> it's always weird to like phrase it based on when it's coming out versus when we're recording. I'm like, wait, true. when is it coming out? Yeah. Next week. I mean, Wednesday. everything's next, next. So, but Ashley's getting herself a backlog, a backlog. So mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have a good old time. Any road trips? Holiday road trips, we got you. Just load it right up. I don't know how far, I wonder how far the little reps would get you. Like 15, half an hour-ish. All of them? No, like between 15 minutes and a half an hour. Oh, yeah. the, the yeah. Each one is, is that. Yeah, I was going to say with what's out there now, you could take a three-hour road trip and, and be what? good. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, right. enjoy your road trip, Ashley. <laughs> I don't know where party. you're going, but. I don't know where you're going, but just, just get in the car and drive. Don't tempt her. She might. <laughs> Come here and get some turkey breasts. We'll have extra. Actually, we might not. Oh, I'm, I bought a whole turkey, so we, we will Ooh. have extra. <laughs> Is Sean okay? So, I don't. if everybody doesn't know, like, Sean's a vegetarian. Like He doesn't care. He just doesn't eat it. I mean, but, like, he's not like, oh, the smell. No, no, the okay. smell doesn't bother him. He actually likes the smell of, like, bacon and things like that, so. No. Oh, can I? Can I tell a weird thing that I found out today that I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. So onions, right, are alive when we buy them. Like, they'll keep growing, apparently, like the roots at the bottom. 
So when you cut through an onion, there's these two chemicals that mix. I forgot what they're called because I'm not a scientist. But the two chemicals that mix are the defense mechanism of the onion. That's what makes us cry. It's like, don't murder me. Don't murder me. (laughs) It's like, hey, could you stop stabbing me, please? And then I was like, ooh, how do vegetarians feel? Because that onion is like, don't kill me, please. And it's like trying to like skunk you into sparing its life. And you're like, no, you're delicious. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I wonder if I was vegetarian, if I would have a problem. I like... Not going to lie, I, I literally teared up a little bit. I was like, that's really, really sad that the onion is, like, screaming at us not to kill it. But I love onions, so I'm going to try and, like, forget that. But then I decided to share it all with you guys. So, like, now you feel my pain. Now you, you can feel onion. guilty about cutting Now you can onion. feel slightly guilty. My stepdad will feel good, though, because he doesn't like to eat onions, so. <laughs> he just likes to kill them? <laughs> no, but he'll be like, see, at least I'm not an onion murderer. <laughs> See, now I'll just slaughter them all for you because I hate onions. <laughs> I don't trust people who don't like onions. Onions are delicious. I, they are, but I I don't know. I like all kinds of onions too, right? Like Me from too. chives all the way to to <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> the other ones. <laughs> End of list. <laughs> you need so many beans, but you can't eat more than one onion. Okay. Chives, scallions. <laughs> shallots leeks. regular onions leeks yeah all I have of them. so many damn leeks you're supposed house. to bring some that's your thanksgiving gift to <laughs> like cook it or can i just no, bring, no, you just the, bring the raw leeks why didn't i give it to you when you were here i don't know sean yeah. when we got home he was like oh i forgot to get the leeks oh yeah i hope they're so good they're so good i'll take a look and we'll figure it out it's good leeks. but you know what else we'll figure out how to segue into this next uh, topic for who we're talking about today. Let's just dive into it. Oh, I had a funny one. Oh, go for it then. It's not, it's not as funny. So like there is like hawks in our neighborhood, apparently. Okay. I don't know where they're coming from, but one flew past our window, like very close. And we have a small dog. So I was like, Oh my God. I said to my husband, I was like, Oh my God, what would happen? What would you do? If a hawk tried to pick up Pete, that's our dog's name. And he just goes, I guess I would wave. And I (laughs) just like laughing so hard, but also felt really bad. So now I've been chasing the dog around the house, screaming hog attack and trying to get him to like run away. No, Pete wouldn't be doomed. You can't let him out. No, I know. But like now he's like, when I yell hog attack, he just rolls over (laughs) on his back and like wants belly rubs. And I was like, no, you're going to get eaten by the hawk. That's because funny. hawks are majestic and strong and determined, much like our topic today. Okay, I see what you hawk. did. Boom. Got it. I don't think that she would go after small dogs, but she is fierce and mighty like a hawk. A thunderhawk, if you will. As Native American History Month comes to an end, we wanted to cover an incredible indigenous woman. Again, her name is Madonna Thunderhawk. Madonna Thunderhawk is a Native American civil rights activist. She's known for her leadership in the American Indian Movement, or AIM, and for her organizational work against the Dakota Access Pipeline, among other things. We will look at her work as an activist, protester, and reformer for Native American rights, and the motivations and controversies surrounding some of her involvements in various occupations. Then we'll dig a little deeper and consider how her advocacy work has helped preserve and improve the lives of Native women and children in particular. 
Finally, we'll wrap it all up with some film, television, and books that include Thunderhawk, mention her ongoing projects, and share a little advice from her to young Native people. So just a couple of trigger warnings, family separation, physical abuse, death, and murder. So Madonna Thunderhawk was born in 1940. The only place that we found a potential actual date for her birthday was on Twitter when the Women Warrior Project wished her a happy birthday on June 18th, 2020. So we're going to go with that. (laughs) Yeah. She was born on the Yankton Sioux Reservation located in present day South Dakota. She's part of the Feather Necklace Teospe extended family and belongs to the Ohenumpa Band of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe. There are various ways to identify Native Americans, and these can include tribes, which I think many of us are familiar with, bands, clans, and extended families. We will link it in the show notes, but the University of Oklahoma has a really good overview that breaks down these different forms of communal organizations. Thunderhawk's upbringing was pretty strict. She was raised by her mother, who had also been raised in a restrictive environment. Her mother had attended the American Indian boarding schools back in the 1920s and 1930s, and... mm, yeah, not 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 good places, especially then, but not really ever. Yeah. So Thunderhawk had attended several of these boarding schools throughout her youth. She spoke on how frightening they could be for children who were removed from their homes. She said that she didn't have as she didn't have it as bad as her mother did, but things weren't good for her and her sister, who were sent to a Bureau of Indian Affairs boarding school in 1946. Here they were given government issued clothing before being quote unquote treated for head lice. Mm. And this is this is the first little bit um, that maybe skip ahead 30 seconds if you're worried. But according to Thunderhawk herself, she says, they assumed we had head lice. They took us to the basement where they had big tubs of kerosene. They dunked our heads in that water. After that, they wrapped our heads in towels. I could feel my scalp burning. I just don't know how that's a treatment. Like, it's not. It's an abuse, why, right? Yeah. Why would that be a treatment? I mean... The easy, well, clearly, I think they wanted to torture people because what you could just do is shave their heads if you're like so worried about lice, right? But mm-hmm. instead, you like you put like a really harsh corrosive chemical in their hair, and they're just like, "Here's a towel." Yeah, I don't think they saw them as people, to be honest, right? They saw them as like savage or animals, or I don't know. I I, I can't. Like, to justify that in the mid-20th century is just, Mm -hmm. it's absurd, but it happened. Well, she survived boarding school and later earned her bachelor's degree in human services. Her experiences in these schools likely helped set her on the path towards activism, especially activism geared towards helping Native children remain in their communities no matter what. Yeah, beyond the systemic violence and assimilationist pressures of the boarding schools, Thunderhawk also faced anti-Native racism and government intrusion into her culture and lands. Her community was forced to relocate by the federal government to San Francisco. Here she encountered the world of social organization and met countless activists, workers, and anti-war protesters. She herself is a Native American civil rights activist, as we mentioned before, and in addition to her leadership in the American Indian movement and her organization work with the Dakota Access Pipeline, she also founded the American Indian organization known as Women of All Red Nations. 
This was not new for her. Thunderhawk had been involved in every modern Native occupation since the 1960s. She was a part of the occupation on Alcatraz, which lasted 19 months and took place from 1969 to 1971. This was an extremely important event in Native American history and was the first modern protest led primarily by Indigenous people. Over 400 Native American people were involved in this stand for Indian self-determination. Do you want to mention the TikTok here? So I found a super interesting TikTok on this um, from this teacher who does all these like really cool lesson plans. I think she might be a college professor, um, but I will share it on, I'll repost it on our TikTok and I'll post it on the Instagram. Maybe I can make it a reel so it'll stay. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. It was, it was great. It, Cause I mean, to look at her, she was a white woman mm-hmm. and you always get nervous when you click on something that's like, we're going to talk about Native Americans and it's featuring a white person. I don't know. Yeah. I do, especially on like I, TikTok. But my she algorithm did, is really good. <laughs> she she did a really good job of of addressing the the truths of the history. Yeah, she starts it by saying like, uh, "We don't learn this in school," and like, I wonder why. Because like I never knew about this until like we started doing this, and I saw that TikTok. I had no clue that all these people occupied Alcatraz for for almost for, for more than a year like that's yeah. nuts like i had no clue about it but we'll link that for you in every way that we can link it so thunderhawk also participated in the wounded knee occupation of 1973 not to be confused with like the wounded knee massacre of course but it was um it did take place on the same land mm-hmm. so this was when 200 oglala lakota occupied the town of wounded knee south dakota after attempts to remove a corrupt tribal president failed, and in protest of the U.S. failure to fulfill treaties that had been previously made with the Native people. And that's always kind of the the angle that they take, right? Is saying like, hey, we had these treaties in place. We're just looking for you to fulfill them. Yeah. In 1974, as an act of cultural reclamation for young Native people who had been pushed out of public schools, Thunderhawk established the We Will Remember Survival Group. This alternative home slash school was a part of the National Federation for Native-Controlled Survival Schools. Community members, parents, AIM activists worked to improve the educational system for Native American children. These survival schools provided culturally based education to support Native families. So I kind of want to talk about that a bit more because it yeah. like, really bothered me the more I looked into it. So mm-hmm. because these are issues that parents like are having now that were even happening back then. So we spoke, I don't remember which episode, but it was definitely a big topic. But we spoke about how like your zip code has a huge impact on your life. And these students on the reservations were saddled with public schools that were understaffed, underfunded, and somehow had an overabundance of like racism. You know, like teachers that just did not care or like you said before, like didn't see them as human beings to like bother to teach. Hmm. Um, so these schools were not performing well. Like they're performing really poorly. According to an article titled, Why Are Native Students Being Left Behind? Written for teachamerica.org. A Senate report declared a near total lack of high quality education on reservations, calling the Indian education system a national tragedy. Those are like big words for a a government who's not like putting more money behind it. But yeah, it's it's kind of insane. It's just like if the schools are on this land and you don't want to be bringing in like non-native teachers. Mm hmm. But if you already have this system that's been in place and isn't functioning fully, 
you're not going to have native teachers yeah. to put in that. So it's like this weird catch 22. And, and so people aren't going and teaching there. And so then the students aren't learning. And so then they don't have their own teachers for these federal types of education, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously they've established these schools themselves and can have this native education that is much more fulfilling to their culture. It seems anyway. I, I don't know. The author of that article, Susan Brenna, goes on to say, apart from Department of Defense schools, schools for American Indian students are the only ones in the country operated and totally funded by the federal government under treaty agreements that promise federally supported schooling in perpetuity in exchange for tribe giving up their lands which is not subject to property tax and generates no tax revenue to support schools. So like, you know, like in richer neighborhoods, the schools are better because property taxes are higher, but you're not getting that. So you're only getting federal funding. Federal funding. Yeah. And so it's like this weird catch 22, where if you don't have these, if you, the lands aren't like, you're not paying property taxes or whatever taxes on these lands, Mm -hmm. then your money's not going back into the school. So you've just got that base level. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that's going to lead to that lower amount of funding. Like they're not compensated extra because they're They're not. Yeah. Mm -mm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. the federal government is like, oh, that's not enough money. Let me get you some more so you could teach these kids. No, they pull a tin gun and they're like, make it work. Like the education, education is like the base system to a better life. And Thunderhawk knew that. And that's why she fought so hard to like make sure these kids were getting a good education. Yeah, it's getting the funding to have these resources to provide that education is where it gets tricky. But like she's putting in that work and her organizations Mm -hmm. are putting in that work. In addition to all of this, she serves as the organizer and tribal liaison for the Lakota People's Law Project. Now, this work involves fighting the illegal removal of Native children from tribal nations into state foster care systems. Uh, Do you watch Reservation Dogs? No, but I want to. It is very much on my list. Yeah, in the most recent season, there was actually one of the the main teens in the show was removed from the house he was in and sent to, like, a foster center where the... Like the man in charge, he was he was fine. He wasn't like a, a, a terrible person or anything, but he was white and mm. like all the kids were native and they were kind of like treated like, eh, you're here. So obviously you're the problem. Yeah. As opposed to, hey, let's get you back with someone in your community. As part of this Lakota People's Law Project, Madonna Thunderhawk also established what is known uh, in English anyway, because I didn't want to butcher the the Lakota name for it. But it's the uh, Grandmother's Group, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and this is on the Cheyenne River Reservation. The group was created with the idea of rebuilding kinship networks within the nation to help prevent the removal of children from Native families. And in the show, they eventually get him paired up with an actual, like, she is okay. grandmother age. Yeah. But She's someone that he had met in the community and they had like formed a bond because she thought he was someone else and they just started talking. And But because of the dynamic in their culture where like elders are all sort of grandmas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like there's the aunties and so on. And it doesn't matter if you're blood relation. They were able to pair him with her. And so he had a home to go to. And it was funny because when I was watching the show, I just. I, you know, I thought of it as like a a tragic story for this particular character, but I didn't think about the history 
behind it. And so reading up on on Thunderhawk's involvement in these, um, what is the word I'm looking for? But like creating these networks and everything, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, this is very real. It's not just like, oh, this happened to this character. It's a this happens in this community, right? I don't know. Thunderhawk herself is a grandmother, both literally and figuratively, to a generation of Native American activists. And and she's always talking about, like, I, I watched a couple interviews with her and she's talking about, you know, now is their turn. Like, we are here, we taught mm-hmm. them, and now we're passing it on to them to keep continuing the fight, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. She's a voice of resistance and a longtime community organizer with experience in American Indian rights protection, cultural preservation, economic development, environmental justice, and social reclamation. Now, thinking back on more what you just said, I really do like that because I think that you need to. I think a big thing that we do wrong, I mean, they're American too, but like in in this part of America, what I think we do wrong is like we definitely treat kids like they're idiots. And it's like if you get kids involved and invested in things long-term, they'll be invested in things long-term. Like they'll give a crap about climate change because you've been speaking to them about climate change forever. Like you tell them this is your world and you have to make it better. I think we don't do that. I think we're like, you don't have a voice until you're 18. So just shut up about it. And then it's like, but now I don't care because I'm 18 and I'm doing other things. But like, if this would have been something that was invested in me at a younger age that like, I am a part, I'm a cog in this wheel and my decisions and my choices do matter. That makes a huge difference. And it sounds like that's what she was instilling onto. Like her whole thing is like the youth need to know that they're important. Yes. Yeah. For so many reasons. Cause like we're, we're all in this together. I don't know what that's from. I feel like we're singing high school musical or something. That's what that is. Okay. (laughs) I've never seen that. But whenever I say we're all in this together, I sing it in my head. Yeah. Every single time. So Thunderhawk's involvement um, has been at the national and international levels, but like also at the community level, like she's reaching out to these kids. She's making them feel important. She's letting them know that like they are the next generation and they have to work as hard as she's worked. As we mentioned before, Thunderhawk has been an activist since the 1960s. She was an early proponent of the Red Power Movement, which is a social movement led by Native American youth to demand self-determination for Native Americans in the U.S. But like, what does that mean? At its core, self-determination is concerned with the fundamental right of people to shape their own lives. In a practical sense, self-determination means that we have the freedom to live to live well, to determine what it means to live well according to our own values and beliefs. According to the American Indian Relief Council, in 1975, Congress passed the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistance Act. The government could now contract with tribal governments for federal services. The act gave the power back to the tribal governments. Native American people were now able to operate their own schools. So since the act was passed, more than 70 schools have actually taken charge of their own operations. And this is giving them control over their own education, their language, their beliefs, their philosophies, just that culture altogether. Mm -hmm. Thunderhawk showed strong leadership during the occupation of Alcatraz as well. The goal of that occupation was to persuade the federal government of the U.S. to end its policy of termination, which had been created to disband Native American tribal groups and sell their land. 
Termination of a tribe meant the immediate withdrawal of all federal aid, services, and protection, as well as the end of reservations. Individual members of terminated tribes were to become full U.S. citizens and to have the benefits and obligations of any other U.S. citizen. So to like assimilate, basically, like you have to give up your history and your heritage. And like for most of these people, like it wasn't an option. Like these tribal groups had so much taken from them already. Giving up their status as native was like a step too far. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I guess because, again, America and, and we were kind of sold this bill of like, everybody sat down and had corn on Thanksgiving and it was totally cool. But really, like these people came, imagine someone came into your house and was like, okay, cool. You don't get to go on this part. You don't get to go on this part. And um, if you say something to it, like, I'm just going to murder you. But like, we can just forget all of that if you just, if you just leave. say that I live here, you leave. Or, you know, you stick by my rules and you have to do everything that I do. Oh, all the things you used to do. Oh, did you have like Friday night movie nights? You don't do that anymore. That's terrible. I hate that. That's a terrible idea. And you don't do it anymore. You did it your whole life. Fuck you. It just, it's, I, I'm rambling now, but it. But I think it's funny that you use the house analogy because there is actually a story that I, I've taught before. Uh, mm-hmm. by Julio Cortazar. It's uh, he's an Argentinian author, but it's called The House Taken Over and mm-hmm. it is about like I mean it's it's got a different type of allegory in it, but yeah. it is this idea of like people coming in and taking over this house where this this brother and sister live and basically like pushing them to one room yeah. where they they are until eventually they flee. So it's very very similar in that analogy. I mean, that's, that's what it feels like. And I don't think we were really taught that. So when you like grow up and you start looking for things on your own, you're just like, wait, what? Like these people just got off a boat and told you to move. And it's like, yeah, they had like guns. And these people were my germs. people. And yeah. like, it's, it's embarrassing, you know, but it's, that's the truth of it. And I have to like, I don't want to say own it. But, like, understand that, like, yeah. my family, my ancestors played a role in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were the And worst. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, like, you know better, you do better situations. Like, you're not going to do that now. Like, you're so far removed from it. Like, you don't know those people. You're not going to be, like, as bad as them. But I think that it's important that you acknowledge history. And make sure it doesn't repeat and that things mm-hmm. are changing and progressing. Yeah. I'm not the one who got off that boat, but at the same time, it is up to me to make sure that those practices don't continue. And that's why we need critical race theory in every school. What? What? Snaps. I mean, it's it's just fun. (laughs) I I just, so I was like on a TikTok theme this morning and there was someone in like a Kansas school district. They were doing a talk on how critical race theory is all in all up and down Kansas and it's ruining things. And they're like educators in the office in, in the audience. And they're like, it's not though. It's not anywhere. Like it's not anywhere. It's not being taught anywhere. Because you don't teach critical race theory to elementary middle you school don't. and barely even high schoolers. Like you <laughs> just <know>. don't. <laughs> but it's just, there's this narrative that it's already here and it's just to make white people feel bad. And then like you and me just had that conversation and I don't think you should feel bad about the people who came off the boats because you're so far removed from them. But I think it's great that you acknowledge it. But I'm not asking you to give anybody any money. Like, there's no reparations happening. Like, it just is so crazy to me that people, some people can't even feel a moment of, of guilt for something that they're just like, no, 
I don't ever want to talk about this again. You will not make my people the villain. And it's like, it's not you. That's different. Check the timestamp. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's not about, like, if you're feeling guilty, then that's not, like, that's on you. Because at this point in history, like you said, you did not directly do this. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing to make sure that it doesn't continue? Yeah, like that's we're, we're I, going off the rails, but like this is important. Really this is but important. Like, <laughs> it is important, and I feel like that's the least you can do. Like you don't have to listen. I don't need any reparations. I don't know if any natives are asking for reparations. The only thing that I would like is like, hey, don't let it happen again and be better. And a lot of people are like, "Fuck you, I can't do that." <laughs> anyway, uh, we did go very much off the. Yeah, this is you know what this is just this is our Thanksgiving talk, but like it's gonna be. You know, how people have like really horrible like relatives. I don't have that, thank God. Like all my Thanksgiving family things are like really chill. Like I feel like this is what it's gonna be like for some people, but it's not gonna be positive. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Back to the notes here. Uh, the occupation of Alcatraz. That's what we were talking about before we yes. went on a tangent. Let's talk about the occupation of Alcatraz. Well, this actually led to the passage of over two dozen pieces of self-determination legislation. So the the protests worked, right? Yes. And it also led to Supreme Court decisions that enhanced the sovereign powers of Native nations, giving them their sovereignty over their lands and their themselves. Giving them back the rooms in their house. Exactly. I like it so much. In her early years with the American Indian Movement, Thunderhawk participated in the occupation of Wounded Knee as well. So a little bit more about the Wounded Knee occupation of 1973. So this occupation took place at the same site as the 1890 Wounded Knee Massacre. The occupation lasted 71 days from February to May of 1973. It involved U.S. Marshals, FBI agents, and other law enforcement agencies. In March, a U.S. Marshal was shot and paralyzed by gunfire, and in April, a member of the Cherokee tribe and a member of the Oglala tribe were both shot. Ray Robinson, an African-American civil rights activist who joined the protesters, disappeared at that time and is believed to have been murdered. There are rumors that Thunderhawk was present at the medical facility run by AIM during the siege. One account explains that Robinson was shot in the knee, dragged outside, beaten, and then taken to the Wounded Knee Medical Clinic. It is unknown exactly what happened after that or if Thunderhawk herself was involved. But in 2014, the FBI confirmed that Robinson had been killed and buried on the reservation at the time. For this and other reasons, the occupation attracted quite a bit of media coverage. Everyone showed up. Senators, everybody was there. Many Native American supporters traveled to the site to join the protest, and non-Native Americans were becoming more aware of the injustices that Native Americans were facing and had long faced. Within AIM, Thunderhawk was a member of the Pie Patrol. This group included other Native women activists such as Thelma Rios, Theta Nelson Clark, and Lorelai Decora Means. Another member of AIM, Mary Crowdog, who was present during the occupation at Wounded Knee, referred to the Pie Patrol as, quote, loudmouth city women, media conscious, and hugging the limelight. She accused them of loving the cameras and taking credit for what the women of AIM were doing behind the scenes. So, did the pie stand for, like, pie hole? <laughs> what? Why? I have no I have no clue what the pie stands for. Like, what's pie patrol? I'm guessing it might have something to do with the fact that they're women, and they're, like, I don't know, talking about... I thought because, like, they were called loudmouths, so I was like, your pie hole. Like, shut oh, your pie holes. Okay. 
Okay. I had no clue. Yeah. I figured. I, I don't know I where don't. they came up with the name or how, but I just, mm-hmm. I think specifically because it was like a group of women that maybe they used the pie as like this maternal baking symbolism or something. Thunderhawk is a loyal defender of land and water protected by treaties. She was one of the tens of thousand protesters, or water protectors as they called themselves, in 2016 on the Standing Rock Sioux Reservation in South Dakota. Protesters gathered to combat the construction of the 1,200-mile-long oil pipeline controlled by Energy Transfer Partners. The rally cry of the protesters against the Dakota Dakota Access Pipeline was Water is Life, and Thunderhawk, along with Indigenous youth and women, played a key role in the movement. So I know we talked about it in the AOC episode, but this is where AOC, like, got her quest for... I need to run for office and change these things. So AOC is quoted as saying, I first started considering running for Congress actually at Standing Rock. It was re- it was really from that crucible of activism where I saw people putting their lives on the line for people that they've never met and, ne- and had never known. When I saw that, I knew that I had to do something more. Clearly, I don't know if the two interacted, but I love the idea that AOC saw Thunderhawk like leading and was like, I can do that. I should do that. Like, I think that's like really empowering. Yeah. I mean, we got we got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from that. I think that's that's a, a double win. That is a double win for sure. Thunderhawk was very busy, right? She helped manage an encampment that ended up capturing international attention during these protests. And she states that she, along with Phyllis Young, who was a liaison for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, dealt directly with the Morton County Sheriff's Office and the Army Corps of Engineers. She goes on to say, They were practically ready to bomb us. We know their tactics, any level of government. We learned from back in the day. I ended up staying through to the end. In other words, this was nothing new for Thunderhawk, and she knew how to deal with the governmental pressures that the protesters were facing. So we call Thunderhawk an activist, but she doesn't see it that way. She doesn't really like that word, and she believes that it's really overused. Instead, we might consider calling her a frontline protester or a reformer. In one article that covered Thunderhawk's history and achievements, she's dubbed the original gangster for being steadfast, powerful, and an unafraid warrior woman. Although Thunderhawk uses the term OG for old grandmas. So, like, I wonder if the author of the article, like, missed that and just saw, like, OG and thought it was original gangster. But, like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe she was actually called that as well. I like both. Why, why not both? I mean, original gangster works, right? Yeah. Since, since she had a role in forming all of the core South Dakota-based organizations that pushed yeah. for Native self-determination. And mm-hmm. um, and since she was establishing alternative schooling options for Native children, she was protecting Native women's reproductive health and protecting Native lands against pollution. Like, she was doing it all. Mm-hmm. In addition to doing it all, she also co-founded WARN, that stands for Women of All Red Nations, which focused on Native Native women's issues. She also co-founded the Black Hills Alliance to fight uranium mining on sacred Lakota land. She has established herself as a woman who stands her ground as a Native American and refuses to compromise her efforts when it comes to prioritizing the lives of Indigenous people. After her experiences in the boarding schools, Thunderhawk, along with her daughter Marcy, helped establish the We Will Remember Survivor School, which is an alternative to the government-run schools. 
It's a school where culturally relevant Native teachings about topics such as tribal sovereignty are the norm, and where students learn to respect the earth, know their rights, and return to the ways of their people. She recognizes that there's a lot of anger and trauma, I mean, all of it justified, around what happened to the children in church-run and state-sanctioned boarding schools, and understands why sharing those stories can reopen wounds for many people. But she's willing to share her own experiences so that people are aware of what actually happened. Thunderhawk attended boarding schools in the late 1940s and early 1950s. She admits that she was often in danger of getting kicked out for being too mouthy. But honestly, she was just standing up for what she knew was right and questioning authority. I mean, we should all be doing that. Yes. Question all the things. Mm-hmm. But especially authority. Yes. She compares her experience to that of her mother, whose experience in the 1920s and 1930s was much more military in style. Her mother was made to march wherever she went and was not allowed to laugh or cry. No emotions. Not allowed. That's That would show your humanity, insane. and we can't have that. Now, because, I mean... Ugh. Who wants to maybe feel bad for a crying child? So, you know, keep that out of here. I'm not trying to feel sympathy for you. Well, these children, like the time that her mother was going to school, they would try to escape. But they would always be found and returned against their will. And then as punishment, they would have their heads shaved and be strung up and flogged. Like, is that when you get hit with like a wooden thing? Is that flogging? I thought it was a whip. But I'm not... Positive? Either way, I don't like it. I'm, I'm going to Google it and see. A punishment in which the victim is repeatedly hit with a whip or a stick. Yes. So uh, yes. the very negative version of why not both. Not only were these children who ran away, like, tortured when they were brought, mm-hmm. dragged back, uh, but the other kids had to watch them and, like, learn the lesson of, like, this is what happens if you run away. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, right. And and so many children. Um, and this is in the 1920s and 30s when Thunderhawk's mother was attending the schools. So many of these children died from illnesses under the conditions that they were in in the schools. Right. Mm-hmm. They weren't being cared for properly. And and Thunderhawk says that like she knows that while sharing this can be painful, she also understands that these traumas inform the elders' fight to keep Native children from being stolen away to yeah. white foster homes. So it is. One of those things is like, we don't want this to happen again. Let's fight to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. We need to like spread our story. People need to know what can happen so that it doesn't happen. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Thunderhawk is the founder of the Warrior Women's Project, which is building a comprehensive community-based archive of oral history interviews with key organizers and activists of the Red Power Movement in the 1970s. I feel like she's doing all the things mm-hmm. all at once, like someone is she's so busy she's absolutely so busy with this project it was the creation of the warrior women documentary in this story of madame the thunderhawk according to the project's website the film uses a circular indigenous style of storytelling and explores what it means to navigate a movement and motherhood how activist legacies are passed down and transformed from generation to generation in the context of a colonizing government that meets native resistance with violence the warrior women project serves as a means to illuminate the past in a way that inspires a radical present. It's a collaborative group of matriarchs, historians, community organizers, and multimedia storytellers who work to bring light to the impact of Indigenous women on the communities in recent history. The film, co-directed by Christina D. King and Dr. Beth Castle, explores the Red Power movement from the 1970s through the modern-day struggles faced by Native women. 
It follows Thunderhawk and her daughter as they navigate leadership, motherhood, and community in Indigenous resistance movements. Thunderhawk is a mother, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother. She has always been very vocal when it comes to Native children. She is part of the Grandmothers Group, whose name means Standing Strong. This group focuses on helping Native children who are forced into foster care. Statistics show that Native American children are up to four times more likely to be separated from their parents and put into foster care than non-Native children. According to the National Indian Child Welfare Association, 25 to 35 percent of Native children were being taken from their homes in 1978. This is the year that the Indian Child Welfare Act came into law. 85 percent of those children were being placed in foster homes outside of their own communities. Since the law was enacted... That number has dropped to 56%, but I mean, that's still too high. Way too high, yeah. Yeah. Currently, the Grandmothers Group is working with South Dakota to find a way to keep foster children on the reservation. Together with a group called Simply Smiles, they are creating a children's village to keep Lakota children on tribal land. While Thunderhawk was initially apprehensive of Simply Smiles and their agenda, she believes they can work together to find a solution that will work best for the children. Her goal is to keep the children on the reservation. She recognizes that there aren't enough foster homes on the reservation for all the children. And she says, there's a lot of dysfunction, drugs, and alcohol. It's really tough. We need to do something. Together with Simply Smiles, the old grandmas have been able to construct buildings where children can stay. Where children can stay. What is now needed are foster care workers who can help raise these Native children with Native traditions and healing practices. In 2004, Thunderhawk joined the Romero Institution to form the Lakota People's Law Project with the goal of encouraging reform and enforcement of the Indian Children's Welfare Act. Her goal was to ensure that more Lakota children can live with their families or at least or at the very least on the ancestral homelands on the reservation. So beyond those mentioned already, Thunderhawk was involved in two occupations of Mount Rushmore in the 1970s in protest of the ongoing violations of the 1868 Treaty of Fort Laramie, which was intended to set aside lands for the Native people of that area. As we said, Thunderhawk joined the movement against the Dakota Access Pipeline in 2016, where she had been a prominent voice for the cause. The pipeline transports crude oil within miles of tribal land. The fear of the pipelines leaking and polluting local drinking water on Native lands was a primary was a primary drive behind the protest. And guess what? That was for a good reason. Because guess what? In 2019, over 383,000 gallons of crude oil leaked into a half acre of wetlands in the North, in North Dakota. Like that's enough to fill like half of an Olympic sized pool. That's insane. That's so much. And, and not only does this affect the wetlands where it was leaked, but it risks polluting many of the small rivers and tributaries on the nearby reservations. So it's not just like, oh, it spilled here. Let's wipe it up. Bounty, you know, quicker yeah. picker up or bullshit. Like, no, you it's, it's getting into the water and people are consuming mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Or they're not consuming it, and now you have a water crisis. Exactly. Yeah. Her protests and reform work have always been focused on the need for empowering the group, setting achievable goals, and prioritizing the importance of community accountability. Her skills around coalition building, even with those that she disagrees with, are unmatched. She connects the issues of rural residents from the reservations with national and international policies and issues. Her understanding of the indigenous identity as something that is directly connected with the struggle for land and cultural cultural preservation allows her the perspective to organize across races and other identity groups to maximize the impact and success of the causes that she fights for. So she's got her hands in everything and she knows how to like mingle and get everybody on the same page. 
I just really love that so much. She's not like, hey, only this, only my thing matters. It's like, hey, my thing matters in relation to your thing. Let's see what we can collaborate on. Right. Like, that's what it's about, like, collaborating and making a better world. And she says, we are a people indigenous to this land, and we are attached to the land. We're not Mm -hmm. protesters. We're protectors. And she also recognizes that this has been going on forever, saying we've been dealing with this for so many years. So it's not a new blight. It's just a continuation. So that's why we're always in the protect mode. We're going to talk a little bit about her impact and her legacy. Um, There's tons of documentaries and films and TV that she's been a part of so you can learn more about her. So... Madonna Thunderhawk has been featured in several documentaries and films and television series. These include Incident at Oglala and William Kunstler, Disturbing the Universe, The American Experience, We Shall Remain Part 5, Wounded Knee. That one was for PBS. Also, the award-winning Warrior Women. With each of these documentaries, she is able to pass along wisdom of her culture. She's also been mentioned in written academic and historical publications, uh, a handful of these include Blood on the Border, a memoir of the Contra War by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, Ethnographies of Conservation, Environmentalism, and the Distribution of Privilege, edited by David G. Anderson and Eva Berglund. We Worry About Survival, American Indian Women, Sovereignty, and the Right to Bear and Raise Children in the 1970s by Meg Devlin O'Sullivan. Timelines of American Women's History by Sue Heineman and American Nations Encounters in Indian Country, 1850 to the Present, edited by Frederick Hoxie, Peter Mancall, and James Merrill. Thunderhawk and her daughter Marcy have fought for Native rights together for many years. While Marcy remembers many times where her mother was away fighting for Native causes, today they are together on the forefront of Native issues related to environmental protection and Indigenous, and indigenous cultural values. As we previously mentioned, she's part of many groups. So she founded the Women of All Red Nations, also known as WARN. And with them, she worked to address sterilization, abuse, political prisoners, children and family rights, and threats to indigenous land bases. I think at some point we should cover, like, sterilization of different minority groups of women in this country. because. Or even beyond, like Puerto Rico, the Black community, mm-hmm. Native people, like all of this, the the systemic sterilization of women of color. Yes, I mean, I don't know if that, that's a, that's a long ass title, like very a, formal. It's a long but. title, yeah. Because I'm like, well, if we could lump it in with something else, but also it probably can be its own thing. Completely. I think, unfortunately, there's probably enough information on it. Yeah. I just, that's such a bleak. Yeah, right? (laughs) Such a bleak topic. Uh, Thunderhawk also co-founded the Black Hills Alliance to prevent the mining of uranium on sacred Lakota land and um, worked preserving land from developers who were wishing to raise the area. This resulted in the implementation of a new water system. So it's like something good came of that, right? She's also spoken throughout the U.S., Central America, Europe, and the Middle East. She was an International Indian Treaty Council delegate to the United Nations Human Rights Commission in Geneva, Switzerland as well. She was also a delegate to the UN Decade of Women Conference in Mexico City and the UN World Conference Against Racism in Durban, South Africa. Thunderhawk is still fighting for the protection of sacred lands, protecting human rights of Native people, and much, much more. She said, 
Your work changes as you age. I'm still busy. The issues are still there. There's land-based issues and water issues. In other words, her work is not over. And she has some advice for the young people as well. In her own words, she says, whether it's an issue or you want to pursue an education, be the best one of that bunch. Have a plan. Have a vision. Carry a sign. Get involved in whatever capacity. Do whatever you can. Everybody's needed. You have a responsibility. Look at what your ancestors did for you to be talking and breathing. If it's just one thing, be a role model for your children. That's important. Be the hero for your kids. Your ancestors are all around us. That's our strength. We got a head start on everyone else. All right. I feel like we learned quite a bit there, but what are your uh-huh. final thoughts on, on our episode on Madonna Thunderhawk? I feel like my final thoughts are always the same. It's like, well, this person is fucking awesome. Right? What's <laughs> like, wrong with why that? Why did I know about them? I, but, like, I mean, I feel like I should, like, expand. But, like, her energy and her spirit, like, I think it's, like, really noteworthy. I feel like we don't see people fight for their heritage the way that, like, natives do. And it's, like, really, really inspiring. But they have to, right? Like, colonizers showed up and, like, they've been taking their things away forever. So, like... They have to fight for it. And again, like, I feel like it's much easier just to, like, roll over and let them do it and be like, well, I guess I'll just, like, assimilate like, and be, you know, boring American now. Like, like Pete and the Hawk. <laughs> like, Pete and the Hawk. Pete's just going to be like, I guess take me now. But, like, that fight, that fight for your land, like, that fight for an area that you love and you feel so connected to, like, that's really, really inspiring. Like, and Thunderhawk and her people have so much respect for the land that they've been standing up to it. They've been standing up to it. They've been standing up for it and, like, literally working their whole lives. Like, she's been working and building organizations and, and working and training people to continue to fight for these things. And, like, it's amazing. It is sad that there's still so much more to do because, like, she's been putting in the work for years. And we still have climate change issues that we need to, like, convince people about. But, like, I just think that she's, like, incredibly inspiring and she makes me not want to give up like I can if I can't do anything I can hold a sign I can use my voice and like mm-hmm. that's good enough for now and I I, I like I like that I, I like her whole ideology I'm yeah. here for it well I mean honestly I think it boils down to the fact that like growing up those of us that are non-natives really didn't learn a lot about the native people at least in the United States, right? I can't speak for other countries, but like we learn about Thanksgiving when we're young and, and, and Pocahontas. Yeah. Maybe some things from previous centuries, really so little. Yeah, like when I little. think about what I know, what I've learned and what I've retained at the very least, it's very limited, but like at least where I was in, where I went to school and when I went to school, we didn't learn anything about the modern day native American yeah. experience. And so I really appreciated having the chance to research Madonna Thunderhawk because like not only did I learn about so many of the things that are happening today, I was able to learn about it through like the work and efforts of a native woman and mm-hmm. and how women play such an important role in that community as well. So uh, it was it was quite informative, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to be informed a little bit more, we have some resources and references that you can check out. Yes. So we have that film that we mentioned, Warrior Woman, Warrior Woman Film. Um, Their website is just warriorwomanfilm.com. There's an interview with Thunderhawk on France 24's The Interview Program. 
There's the documentary, We Shall Remain, Part 5, Wounded Knee, uh, Indigenous Women Leaders podcast, an interview with Lakota elder Madonna Thunderhawk, and the Lakota People's Law Project website, which is just lakotalaw.org. And if you go to their about page, you can learn a bit more. And also, I think if you think back any of those uh, other documentaries and the books that we mentioned earlier, uh, you could check those out as well. So let us know, what did you think of this episode? Do you have anything that you can add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have a suggestion for a woman that we could cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter, as long as Twitter lasts. Mm-hmm. Find us on Hive. <laughs> yes, at Big Rep Pod. Soon to be on Hive at Big Rep Pod. <laughs> and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, your OGs, grandmas, or gangsters. You know, why not both? Subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we've got a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash BigReputationsPod or just check out the link in our Linktree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose a $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, we're going to talk about the women of all red nations, which we brought up briefly in this episode. And stick around after the music. We'll share a teaser of our upcoming Patreon-exclusive Little Reps episode. All right. What quote do you have for us this week, Kim? Anyway, so I have one from the woman of honor herself, Madonna Thunderhawk. We are not protesters. We are protectors. Absolutely. And as always, believe women. Their whole thing was just like, it was more about a coalition. Yes. Like literally in the name, right? Yeah. And being like, it's this is not about race, this is about class. And like we're all poor and we don't want to be poor and we can like get together and like do these things. And Yep. The biggest thing wealthy white people did was pit us against each other by race yes. instead of by social class. Oh my god.